I'm going to invite in a moment our house speaker and it's someone that you know really well because you see her a lot on Sundays. It's Steph. She's not going to come next. So I want to just actually boast about her for a bit, okay? <laughs> so this is Steph over here in the green. If you haven't seen her, all right, how can bring her? <laughs>
what your emotions are like now, looking at a partner, um, how do they look, are their eyes bright, do they look more relaxed, do they look more uneasy, maybe they're wondering what's about to happen, checking the atmosphere in the room, see if you notice anything. I'm guessing that you feel a bit more alive, a bit more awake, I could see lots of actions, people were describing things, there was um, movement, I wish I could have been in all those conversations, but I just want you to remember that feeling. If you take nothing else away this morning, that feeling is, is what I'm trying to connect with. Other way. Oh, right, I was going backwards. So this is the place where my heart swells the biggest and my soul sings the loudest. This is a photo of the place where my world slides away in the best way possible and my brain wakes up in full force. This is a place where I rest the deepest, and importantly for today, this is a place where I play. This is a picture of my family's every summer we go here destination. It got burnt in the black summer bushfires in 2019, so we haven't been since, but up until that point, I think we were there about 10 years in a row. It's bush camping, like no showers, dropped toilets, Grab your own water, bush camping. It's where a river meets the beach and sand dunes just pile up high around us. There's only 40 campsites, so it's really quiet and remote. And we spend two weeks there, and this is how they go. For one member of my family, it would not be long before they recount a vivid dream, the likes of which master storytellers Tolkien and Spielberg would pay really good money for. <laughs> the dreams and ideas roll on all fortnight in this innis and they capture their mind. It's also inevitable that in some point between day four and day eight in our two-week stint, they will announce that they've been thinking of exploring some remote section of our holiday destination. They've seen a small lake on a paper map, no marked track, they can't scratch the itch that there must be a spring just over the contour. This innis was set off alone with a tin of tuna, water, rice cakes and a snake bite kit. We'll see them in the evening sometime. The next innis could walk along the beach or swim for all eternity if getting cold wasn't a factor. At our holiday location, their eyes sparkle and they glow from within with every walk or swim. Movement and immersion in creation sparks play in this one. By the end of two weeks, another family member will have a privileged collection of rocks, shells, sticks, leaves, other natural artifacts that have made it through their rigorous process of their artistic brain. They'll be lined up along the log. The lining up is really important and grouped according to their aesthetic qualities. It's an exhibition that evidences how this one plays and a process that results in emptying out of their pockets after every excursion from the campsite. The last dinners, there's four of us, will spend some hard-earned time reconnecting with their hammock, churning through the bag of books they've brought away. In time, thoughts will start to bubble up and a pen flies as ideas are created and recorded. The year to come is dreamt about. 
This is the time when curiosity fires up about all sorts of random things. Bread making, sewing pants, maybe making a plan for a flower bed at home. I want to tell you another story. I'm in what I hope will be a personal, eternal game of where's Wally. <laughs> Except my Wally is the humble postie. I have an indescribable love for posties. I, I'm being genuine here. There's something about the bike, the bag of letters, their helmet with the yellow flap over their neck, and best of all, that little flag sparks an uncontainable amount of joy in me. I've been known in a car to outwardly exclaim when one suddenly appears in the traffic or a footpath. Play has captured me for quite some time. I've always thoroughly enjoyed the company of kids, and I'm constantly amazed at the depths to which they think, they feel, and they understand the world. I think they're the perfect model for enjoyment of life. So it really wasn't a surprise to me when I decided to study education early years at uni. In my first trimester, my first subject was solely on play, 12 weeks on play. That's it. I was blown away. A new play was important. But the more I learned about how children experience play and the way they learn in play and how powerful play is for them, the more I was in awe. I was on the book. I read widely and hungrily, learning all I could. And at the same time, I was profoundly confused as to why this wasn't talked about more. For children, play is everything. In a blink, I'd finished my bachelor degree, at which point play had captivated me so much that I decided to study education research. I've now just finished a research project on children's play, nearly 18 months later. Yet all this time, I haven't been able to shape the thought and the growing realisation that play is so much bigger than children. So I began to investigate and turn over the idea in my mind. What if play is part of our kingdom identity? What would that mean? I started to look at what the Bible says about children, because that seemed like the logical point. Matthew 18, 2-5, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes a humble place, becoming like a child, is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. I think exploring the implications of being childlike as followers of Jesus and embracing childlikeness as an adult has merit when we're exploring the idea of play in a kingdom context. However, I think there could be a simpler truth for us to start with. What if we considered the arc of our identity from childhood into adulthood? Does this help place play within a kingdom context? Now, identity is its own topic entirely for a Sunday morning. However, at a very simple yet wholly true level, it says in Genesis 1:26, God said, let us make human beings in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. And in Ephesians 4.24, I loved the message version here. 
and then take on an entirely new way of life, a God-fashioned life, a life renewed from the inside and working itself into your conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you. So let's walk this through a bit. If human beings are made in the image of the Father, then children are made in the image of the Father. And children are made to play. That's how they learn to understand people and the world they live in. That's how we all learn. So then I can't escape the fact that play must be a quality and a characteristic of God if it is such a central part of children's identity. I'm guessing you can see where I'm going here, but we'll say it anyway. If play is part of a children of a child's identity, and we were once all children, then where does that leave play now in us as adults? If God accurately reproduces his character in us, like it says in Ephesians, then I would suggest that we were built to play as adults forever. to play breaks through in all sorts of ways. 
I can think of the spoonbills that popped up during COVID, little villages of decorated spoons outside people's houses. What is that about? It's so random. All the filters we use on social media. Play is part of our kingdom identity and kingdom life. In a discipleship group I was a part of last year, the discipleship model we were exploring was one of life shapes, actual shapes that represented a foundational teaching of Jesus or a principle of kingdom life. In talking about rhythms of life, this model used a semicircle. Oh, I missed one. Can you find the one that's got the... Thank you. To represent a visual pattern of our rhythm of working and resting, daily, weekly, annually, and seasonally. I've been captivated by this shape since I encountered it in that group and can see that this is just one way that play can be embraced in the rhythms of our life. Um, the author of our discipleship model that we looked at unpacks the biblical basis of this semicircle, explaining that we were all designed for both work and rest. I'm not going to cover this off now, but if you'd like to explore it more, I can point you in the right direction. My experience is that work is hard and it costs us and that's the way it's meant to be, otherwise we wouldn't need rest. Cuddy Putman talked about during our conference a couple of weeks ago that staying the course in hard times means that we get access to the kingdom in a portion that's equal to the hardness of our circumstances because we need it in that way. This thinking applies to rest in the semicircle too. When our work is taxing, our rest is more replenishing. I'm curious about how we conceptualise rest. We live within a culture that frames rest as something that often happens when we're empty. We give everything and then we have to recoup, recover and rebuild from burnout. But what if we viewed rest as being more than replenishing when empty? And what if play is part of an, an active kind of rest? Or play tops us up when we can't stop and rest. Connecting with the playfulness that is part of our identity, part of God's character, opens up opportunities for rest and release in tiny moments of our day. When I see a postie, the spontaneity and the randomness bursts my reality. I forget whatever I'm focused on and for a moment, just a tiny moment, I let the strange joy of the postie wash over me. <laughs> There's a chemical element that I don't understand yet, but maybe you felt that this morning when you shared your playful memories with each other. And then after the spontaneity, I sigh, that glorious sigh like the one after you've laughed so hard you're crying and breathless. I sigh and my day continues. And there it is, a moment of play. At the very least, I leave that moment with my soul just the tiniest bit replenished. And on a good day, when I clock three, four or five posties, I'm perfectly buoyant. It's not that I was designed to be obsessed with posties, I hope. It's that I was designed for play. And when a playful moment crashes through my working moment, my pendulum 
of my semicircle is propelled back into rest, just for a moment before it swings back to work. My brain explains that the pendulum swinging is a natural rhythm. And I wonder, well I don't wonder, I'm convinced that play is part of that natural rhythm. Play knocks the hand back to rest momentarily or for a while before our momentum swings us back to work. I've tried to crudely replicate that on the bottom one there. My sister would be horrified at my graphic skills there. <laughs> in that moment, in that play moment, if we allow ourselves, we can encounter the Father. We can get soaked in joy, engage in doing something that we love and something that we were designed to do. And in doing that, we bring our identity into focus with the Father's. We kind of complete a kingdom recalibration before returning back to work. In John 10.10, 10, we know this one well. It says, the thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Why, well, Nivea, I think there's ground to take back here. Play and playfulness have been misconceived as childishness. Play and fun has been dulled and muted and is gathering dust in us. If play is part of the Father's character and part of our identity, then why, maybe there's a new fullness of life for us to rediscover. Play is part of that and it's powerful. So how? You might be sitting there and thinking this all sounds fantastical, that I am truly living a dream. Maybe you feel too old, don't have enough time to pick up another hobby, or aren't really cut out for play, no matter, it's just not part of who you're wired. Maybe you feel too hurt or broken to feel play and joy. I don't think that's true. Jesus said he came so that we can have life, and have it to the full. There's no qualifiers of age or having your life together. So back to the how, there's good news. I have some professional suggestions and tools to help you investigate this play identity for yourself. Guys, this is my area of expertise. The father, to my own extreme delight, has planted me in a pasture of playfulness, fun and joy. And this is where I work. So get your pen out. This is the part where you write things down. <laughs> I will preface this by saying that these things are only tools. And maybe they're not for everyone, but I would encourage you to explore them. I think they only offer opportunities and invitations to connect or reconnect with your kingdom identity. Something that's already in you. I have a hunch that plays a spiritual discipline a way to engage with the Holy Spirit. I have found play to be a way to learn and practice connecting with God and a way to draw my life from Him in all seasons. Reframing my language and my thinking to see play as a kingdom discipline helps me know the joy of the Father more and the enjoyment He has in seeing me live in His creation. Playing and a playful mindset keeps me close to my Heavenly Father. I play in minuscule moments through my day, like the postie, 
and I set aside time to play, like I would to pray or worship. So what is play and what does it look like? No, sorry. Yes, thank you. Well, Vivi, there's a lot of freedom here. Play researchers don't have a rigid definition for play. It's individual, so that would be counterproductive. However, there are some widely researched and credible characteristics or properties that help us define what play might look like. Let's go through them. First one is that play is seemingly purposeless behaviour is enjoyable. Just think of my posties. <laughs> play is voluntary. You choose to do it. Play has an inherent attraction. There's something inside us that drives us to play. When we're playing, we have a freedom from time. In play, we have a lowered self-awareness. In play, there's an improvisational potential. A fancy way to say being opened to being swayed by imagination, creativity and spontaneity. And when we're playing, we want to keep doing the play activity. This is just a snapshot. There's more. If I was wanting to reconnect with play for myself, I would reframe these characteristics as questions. What do I do that is seemingly purposeless but I enjoy? What do I do of my own free will? Why do things that I long to return to? That one doesn't make sense. I think some words there. I'll figure that out. Why do I feel that I lose track of time? What activities make me lose my sense of time? When do I feel most free? What prompts my imagination? What makes me feel creative? When was I spontaneous and what happened? Answering these questions may help you to recognise moments when you're already playing. Reframing our language can be helpful to recognising that this is part of your identity and empowering the opportunities and the actions that you already have will be rich. The second tool I have is eight play personalities. Stuart Brown is a world-leading play researcher and he has observed some common play personalities in people that are helpful in recognising how we play. These are not fixed or prescriptive, but rather some general archetypes. You may resonate with one or more of them, and you may, when we read them, recognise them from my story about our family holiday destination. So the first one is the Joker. Their play always revolves around some kind of nonsense. The kinesthete are people who like to move or need to move in order to think. Play for them may be games or competitions, but that's not the main focus. It's more a forum for their favourite activity, moving. Then there's the explorer. Exploring is this person's preferred way to remain creative and provoke their imagination. Exploring can be physical, going to new places. It could be emotional, searching for new feelings or deepening familiar feelings through music or movement. Or exploring could be mental, researching a new subject or discovering new experience or points of view. Next is the competitor. 
a person who breaks through into the euphoria of play by enjoying a competitive game with specific rules. This person enjoys playing to win. Next we've got the director. In, the director enjoys planning and executing scenes and events. They love the power and they are born organisers. All the world's a stage for these ones. The collector. The thrill of play for the collector is to have and to hold the most, the best, the most interesting collection of objects or experiences. The artist or the creator, for them joy is found in making things. And the point is to make something, whether it's beautiful, functional or goofy. And lastly, number eight is the storyteller. Imagination is key for the storyteller. They can bring play to any activity. In their mind, each part of an experience is just one point of an exciting drama. You may recognise some of these in you or in my story from the start. Play is all around. The world is crying out for people to model enjoyment of life and enjoyment of creation in the midst of work and reality. Our world is hard and heavy at the moment. There's brokenness and pain all around. So please don't hear my message of play as a dismissal of the plane and the slog. But rather, it's an invitation to step into the pressing need to show the joy of Jesus to our world and the playfulness of the kingdom. Imagine how our relationships, our conversations, our workplaces, our daily experiences would look if we were engaging in play and um, a mindset that play is part of God's character. Our identity isn't just who we are or who we were made to be, but it's an accurate representation of the Father in us, an accurate reproduction of the Father in us. Why, Vivi, that identity, it doesn't have a shelf life. You're never too late to the party in the kingdom. So my invitation is this. Be a play spotter. Be a play seeker. Out in the community and in your own life, seek out the purposeless things that are enjoyable and see what the impact is for you when you explore the possibility of play being a kingdom discipline. I have a little gift this morning for anyone who feels the need to respond. My gift is an invitation to play, an action for you to enjoy and a way to remind yourself of play. It's an easy first step. It's googly eyes. I've got a whole bunch here for you and I want you to use them playfully. Take some with you and challenge yourself to stick them somewhere that will remind you of play. That's all it is, the first step. So we've got an opportunity for ministry time now. Some of our YVB family prepared to play with us this morning. Pray. When I was preparing, I felt like the Father was um, speaking to me about people that may be feeling dull, 
like the shine has left you and your life, you feel muted. And this message of play, um, maybe it's really appealing or maybe it feels at odds. If that's you, I'd really love to play, to pray with you. <laughs> so I might call the ministry team up now. <laughs> What you've heard this morning is, is speaking to you. Um, we've got people here who are ready and prepared to pray with you. And if that feeling of dullness or, or mutinous is something that feels like that's you, come off and find me. I would really love to pray for you. I'm just going to pray now. Holy Spirit, we invite you here this morning. We thank you for your presence in all the forms it takes, in the peace, in the stillness, in the stirring, and in your playfulness as well. Just ask that you come and speak to my baby now. Show us the moments in our, in our lives where we're already playing, and when in those moments your presence is real. I just bless you with opportunities for playfulness this week to experience the character of Father in maybe a new way or rediscover the play that is in him and in, in you. Thank you, Jesus.